Welcome to episode 47 of In Light of the Gospel. My name is Dan Blatz. Today I'll be talking to Moe Schrock's brother, Andrew Schrock. He is down in Ohio as well, just south of us over Lake Erie. Um, it was a real pleasure speaking to him. He's obviously a very passionate man, really loves the gospel, and he came out of a life of deep, dark religious um, legalism and now is, is set free through the gospel. And also he went into some religious churches after becoming Christian. And so now he's, he's kind of reacting, kind of responding to typical church structure to which I, I completely understand and sympathize with. And so we go over, I don't know if you'll find a lot of solutions or answers in our conversation, but it's real, it's honest, it's open. We're kind of discussing what should church leadership look like? What should structure be like? We know that the book of Titus, for instance, tell, Paul tells Titus to put things in order that are lacking. And one of those things was to ordain elders in every city. And so what does that look like? How should they function? What is authority supposed to be like? And I think you'll get a lot of benefit and value out of it. If you do, share it, subscribe to it. I'd appreciate that. And uh, as a side note, I have a lot of technical issues with my podcasts. One is the sound quality is often not quite as I would like it. Sometimes lately I've been having some video qualities. This time I tried to record with my typical camera and it shut off on me and I couldn't get it to function. So I ended up recording it on my phone. You'll know that the, the recording is not quite as crisp and clear as it could be. And so I'm kind of putting this out there. Some of you have asked, how can I help? How can we contribute? I've had people give me funds. I've had people buy mics for me, things like that. And so if one of you guys happen to be very techy, very understanding of how cameras and recordings and all that kind of stuff work, somebody that could help out get my studio set up properly so that I can get good quality recordings every time, I'd be very much open to some input. So appreciate you tuning in. God bless you for uh, coming around. I don't know if I know of another group that started the way this one did, where that wasn't the goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I was actually thinking about, uh, a lot of times I think about the title of a conversation, like how am I going to label this on YouTube? And I thought about, when I think about your story, the little bit that I've heard of you so far, I thought it'd be a kind of a neat title to say Accidental Church Pastor. <laughs> or <laughs> Accidental know, but, Church Planting or something like that. Yeah, you definitely didn't mean to do this, right? Yeah. And then, you know, when that happens, you know, now you're kind of sitting here like, okay, where do we go from here? You know? Um, but I think I got talked to you earlier about how that it seems like people are in place that are fulfilling the roles of a functioning church. Um, but we're all all of us, most everyone here is kind of had bad negative experiences, I guess, with the system and the politics of uh, a lot of the things that go on in a very structured process. Yeah. Um, I would like to say it kind of does something to you when you have a building on your own property and there's not one penny from the congregation that has to go into a building. Uh, nobody owns a part of the thing at the church. Like it's just, 
it's literally a, a you could call it a barn on our farm that we meet in. And when you go out there, you know, nobody, you know, at least one thing that I know when I go out there is that when people show up, they're not showing up for a popular name. They're not mm -hmm. showing up because they got some kind of power or some kind of handle on the situation necessarily. They're not coming for a whole lot of there's, there's really no reason, in my opinion, for anyone to come to our fellowship except to enjoy good, godly fellowship and some Bible teaching. And to me, that's kind of pure in a way. That sounds like church. Like, does it need to be more technical than that? Yeah, I guess my one thought sometimes is that there's a, a concern that we all tend to react, right? We, uh, we've yeah. seen church done wrong so much. We've seen the overstructured uh, groups just organize the gospel right out of a place, organize the Holy Spirit right out of a place, and there's there's yeah. nothing there, right? And then some of us be like, okay, we're going to go to absolutely no structure, never yeah. anything going to be organized. And then you've yeah. got people who, who actually have a spiritual gift of administration. They're very good at organizing and putting things together and organizing events, which you guys have done a fair share of as well, right? The big camp meetings and all that kind of stuff. But so we would do well to be careful not to just react to what we got hurt by and think, okay, all of that's got to throw it, you know, that whole saying of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, isn't that true in regards to the entire Bible gospel message, even like the, as far as teaching, a lot of it's been taught for, for obviously me as Washington Trooper Amish, you know, that term throwing the baby out with the water, you know, a lot of us, us kind of do that when we leave the Amish, we yeah. kind of react and like, now we don't want any, any accountability. And I don't know that we need any accountability other than the word of God though. Mm. But so many of us, I see a lot of us leaving or from our people leaving and they adopt these teachings that are not even in the bible and they th they interpret it as freedom and when i just look back and looking at it from the distance i'm like man you're worse off than, than you were you might as well stayed amish you know um, yeah i hate seeing that so i know very much what you're saying you know we can be very careful. We don't just react. And now all of a sudden we throw a tablet in front of all our kids or an iPhone or, oh, because we're now free, right? Uh, we, we're no longer under a law. So now we're going to live in that freedom and we lose our entire families. We, we just go down the tube. Well, the Bible never says not to t train up a child in the way it shall go. When he is old, he won't depart from it. Just the the Bible is very clear not to have a system other than Christ as far as the church, the, the head of the church, not families. Uh, parents are still responsible to raise their children in the fear of mm -hmm. the Lord. 
And there has to be all kinds of boundaries because they do not have the Holy Spirit guiding them yet. And right. their head is not Christ yet. You're the head of the home uh, until they become adults. So I think we, in that way, a lot of our background has kind of dropped the parenting thing too when they dropped the legalism of yeah. the Amish system. For sure. In our culture, and it might be the same with yours, um, we were not allowed to have any kind of assurance of salvation. If anybody said that they were saved, it was like the ultimate blasphemous thing to say. Yeah. How dare you oh, say yeah. that you're saved? And so then yeah, I remember... Sure he's wrong. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I remember a preacher once many years ago saying that some of these people are raised in the old colony system. They fear that idea. And then finally they come to believe, yes, you can know that you're saved. But then they, they themselves never actually get assurance of salvation. So they yeah. leave the system behind and they feel, oh, those people were so wrong. But then you ask them, well, are you saved? Well, yeah. I'm not sure. So, right. so now you know that you can know, but you still don't know yourself, right? So what's what was the point of leaving the dead system behind only to go forward into so-called freedom and yeah. still not having the joy of the Lord as your strength, right? Yeah. I looked up the word elders this morning. It's quite often in the Bible. Um, yep. but elders is not a spiritual word it's just a name used to describe leaders right the guys that are in charge and <clears throat> there's elders a lot of elders were bad in the bible there are a lot of bad elders so it's not a it's not a sacred thing to uh, oh you're an elder like now it's like some holy status or whatever the, okay. elders, the elders actually killed Jesus. Uh, the elders and the scribes, they're all named together when it's referring to the elders. Uh, there were a lot of bad elders, uh, cities and towns in the Old Testament. I would say probably the elders is used more negatively than positively in the Bible, like how as far as the people concerning the people that were called elders. Uh Pastors is not often in the Bible. The word pastors is one time in the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, and pastor, I think, is one time in the New Or is it just one time in the Old Testament? And so, Yeah, I think it's a few times in the Old Testament. But. So somehow, <laughs> I think we've kind of spiritualized too much. And I guess when people ask well who's in charge and who are the elders at the church there or the fellowship or whatever um it's probably the like four or five of us families we just don't recognize it that way but if you look at the letters of paul this is what i've been thinking about a lot paul called out any kind of false doctrines and uh, when the church was going down, getting sidetracked by uh, other gospels, he addressed it at the moment. It wasn't kind of like the way we try to do it today. And isn't that the job of, a, of leadership is to preach the gospel and truth and call out anything that is not, not the true, pure gospel? Yeah, in Titus, he says that the elders should be able to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, right? Yeah. Yeah. But 
too many times I think what has happened is we've made the elders the job to of the they kind of taken the place of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Where families families will come to the pastors or the the councils to try to get fixed. And now I'm not again sitting down and doing personal Bible study and counseling people, but you see how I see so many times where people are looking for the answer at the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> they think they think somehow because this man preaches the word, he now knows how to fix them. Okay. But all I have is the word and that I'm following. I'm just following Jesus Christ and his teachings and living in his glorious freedom and victory that he has won for me. And I'm, I'm rejoicing in him. That's all I'm doing. I'm not yeah. special. I'm not on a higher level than anyone else. Uh, you have that same potential. So I, I like my goal would be for a church is that we're all just ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We've been born again, and we want to share that news. We want to share the goodness of God. We want to share the story of the gospel. And I want that mindset in everyone that comes to church. If we all are, if that is the, the theme of, the, of Christianity is to build each other up in the faith and to uh, be ambassadors. Ambassadors means that you, you're not quiet about it. You, you look for opportunities to share, whether it's even just a Maybe your gift is not teaching or sitting down and talking about stuff, but maybe you like to go and help some unbelieving guy build his house or, you know, there's so many ways we can reach out. So I guess I would like to have that focus as we're just a bunch of uh, members of the body of Christ coming together. And I think our fellowship will be so much sweeter when we're not um, following a system. Yeah. Uh, I think there again, that's something that I know in the background that I came from, and I look at most churches around us, they're the ordained people, the elected ones. They are such on a higher plane of, of spirituality. It's like they're the elite. They're the ones that have arrived. And so I've reacted to that too and thought, well, then why would we bother doing that at all? But then you go to the New Testament and there's a lot of, encouragement to you know paul and timothy paul would send titus or timothy to go to every city and make sure you ordain elders in every city and titus he says there's certain things that are lacking in the congregation I, I sent titus to to kind of fix those things some things that were not quite established the way that they should be and then when he gives the qualifications of an elder it's someone who does rule his household well someone that is a good strong leader of his home because he says if they can't rule his own household how will he rule the church right. of god and so then I think, okay, well, then there is something about authority in the congregation as well. So some people like yourself, maybe myself, we, we're kind of apt to teach. We want to do that. It's something that we desire and that we hunger for. And we, it just wants to flow out of us. We can't, maybe can't even yeah. contain it. It doesn't make us more spiritual or better. Yeah. But like you said, the next guy just wants to serve in some physical capacity. But then, you know, Paul says to the congregation, to bestow double honor upon those that labor in the word and in doctrine. So there is some kind of hierarchical structure still, some kind of authority in the church where I heard somebody said this way the other day to me. They said, um, uh, 
you can't have a leader if he doesn't have a following. And I thought, well, you know, in the congregation that I came from, the old colony system, they would vote and just have a popular vote. And whoever got the ordination got the ordination. Sometimes they had no following whatsoever. They had no gifting, no abilities. They, they were not at all prone to teaching or anything. And now they have to be a preacher for life. And it just doesn't make yeah. sense. So yeah. Paul would send Titus and Timothy in to see who is naturally rising to the surface, you know, and, and showing these gifts and these qualities of character and family structure and f familial relations and uh, a reputation outside the church and inside the church. And then he says, OK, now almost like just make it official. Tell the church, you know, the guys that you've been following anyway. These guys are your leaders. Like, bestow more honor upon these guys. So mm -hmm. I don't know if it has to be like super structured. And, you know, have the guy wearing a, a certain kind of collar or changing his attire. But our culture now has almost done the reverse, where growing up, we really respected someone who handled the word of God. We honored yeah. them. We were almost afraid of them. Now <laughs> you go to most churches and they'll just walk up to the preacher and be like, hey, man, what's up? You know, there's no there's no separation. And I don't know if there should be a separation because I, I agree that. I would like to just be called brother. I don't want to be called your pastor or your yeah. elder or anything like that. But the congregation is supposed to bestow honor upon those that labor in the word and in doctrine. So I, I feel like my mind is still being corrected on some of these things. What is the right way to think about this? I don't know either. Uh, there's a lot of questions I still have uh, about how it should be. Um I don't know what the right answer is. Me and the brothers here have had many discussions of what, how, how, how do we navigate from here? And I don't think we really know. Uh, do you mind thing, kind of sharing uh, the backstory of how you guys somewhat got started, at least briefly? Sure. Um, I was visiting a bunch of churches when I first got married, <clears throat> trying to find a church that uh, I don't have to correct to my kids too much on the way home. Like, you know how you go to a church and the the teaching is so bad that you have, you feel like you have to um, tell your kids on the way home. Like, that, that was just not the truth. And uh, I was trying to find one where if I ever have kids that I, I don't have to deal with that, then I'd rather, I'd rather find what I need to find now so that when I have kids, I don't have these contradictions and then they won't be able to respect authority. They won't be able to respect a teacher or a leader. If I'm constantly correcting him, because mm -hmm. what is that going to do in a kid's mind? If their dad says that preacher man that everybody honors and respects was wrong, dead wrong. Uh, I don't, think that is a healthy at all for a child's mind i want them to be able to respect a bible teacher and uh so i wanted to eliminate that but i couldn't find a group where i was not i was just discouraged everywhere i went seemed like i probably just i likely i just didn't find the one that i was looking for but so one thing that i saw was there's a lot of small groups with just old people praying for the praying for their young people. I was like, well, that, that, then I, you know, you follow the teaching and stuff. And yeah, I can understand why. Uh, so I was like, well, how about we just evangelize the young people? So we build the gymnasium and I 
put up uh, volleyball courts and some basketball courts, and I was hoping to just start a a youth thing where youth from all over we just come together and play some sports and hopefully open up the door for some Bible teaching. But that never really happened. Uh, in the meantime, I started with just my own family doing some Bible teaching on Facebook, and then here and there some other families started joining at our house. And so we did house church for, I think, a year or two. And then when the gym got done, we moved out there. And now there's probably 10, 15 families. Okay. Most of them are from a similar background to yours? Yeah, the majority of them are. Wanger, Wanger Mennonite, some of them, and then Amish, and then different types of Amish. And then there's some that are Catholic, like no, no Amish background. Are, are you doing something in particular to try to get their attention or are they just finding out about you guys through friends and acquaintances and stuff? Uh, several families are from the church I used to go to. There was uh, a, a charity type church. Yeah. And okay. so we knew from there. And then uh, that church kind of had a little bit of a blow up. So... Um, when that happened, some of the people started coming over here because I guess they knew me or whatever. And so <clears throat> we got some of that and then others, I think it's just, see, this is what happens. People are, I think genuine, people are genuinely want, there's, there's, there's a, a group of people that genuinely genuinely just want to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they're tired of all the, you know, the, the system, right? So when they come and there's just strong, confident preaching of the word and we exalt Jesus in the, in the Bible and we, we believe every word that's in the Bible and we teach it as true facts with authority and no, no apologizing, no, no, debating and kicking it around and you know checking the tire pressure none of that just it it is what it is and and you just you you're confident and you go for it and you're settled right and they they come and they see that and they're like oh wow this is great but then what i've seen happen some then all of a sudden they're like well what about these people these people are doing this or that and then all of a sudden they they think i need to help fix families and go, you know, tell certain people how to do their families and stuff. And I just withdraw from that because I believe the Bible is pretty clear. If you have a problem with a brother, you go talk to him yourself. You don't, you don't go to leadership and say, Hey, you need to, because the moment I will go and think that I have some kind of authority that the other brothers don't and go and try to discipline or, or challenge somebody because someone else, squeal then we're back into a system that they yeah. just came from that they thought this was so good well the way this is good is if we don't play those games right interesting um, well um, in the book of galatians he says ye which are spiritual restore such in one right uh and then considering yourself lest you also be tempted so if someone is sinning in the church and someone in the church sees it 
and you yourself are not struggling with that, whether you're an elder or not, it would be your duty to go and approach this person, right? And not not go say, hey, the preachers, you guys got to go deal with this. You know, it's it, it creates a very hierarchical system, right? Where only those that are in authority are allowed to deal with things when we should be accountable one to another. It creates the very thing that they came from. Yeah. But that's where I think so many fresh... See, I've seen groups start out several times and have been a part of it where then they fail. And, and I see how and why. It starts out organically, being led by the Spirit. There's full of optimism. Every member that comes is has a, a sense of, like, what is God going to do? Because it's not already all planned. It's not already all figured out. And it's a great time. And then all of a sudden, that very thing happens where the leadership is now ruling. And people can go to the leadership and say, hey, we have a problem with this. We have a problem with that. And then the leadership responds and they try to fix it. They try to fix mm. families. They try to they try to parent other people's children. Uh, sadly, that happens a lot where the pastor, the mom, either a wife, usually it's a wife, will go to the pastor and complain about how that the husband is not doing his job at home. And, you know, somehow or another, the pastors find out that they can kind of step in and be a, a father figure or a dad or whatever. And I think that is very ungodly. Uh, I think that will kill a church faster than about anything because I don't think it was ever intended for the leadership of the church to uh, do parenting. Mm. Especially if you're overstepping the actual parent's authority, right? Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering like if, you know, one of the qualifications that you and I would need to have in order to biblically be considered an elder or a pastor, a deacon, bishop, whatever you want to call it, um, would be that I have my own family, my own household in subjection with all gravity, meaning that things happen according to natural progress. They, they're happening the way that they should. You know, my yeah. children are not disrespectful to me. They're not disobedient. They're not accused of riot. You know, the Bible says. And so if I can obtain that kind of authority in my home where and that doesn't happen through me just putting my foot down. That yeah. happens through me building a long lifetime relationship where I have right. the authority. I have the, the authority given to me by my kids. You know, if I all of a sudden wanted to really put my foot down and say to my say my 18 year old daughter, she's interested in some boy. And I want to say he is not a good boy. You need to stay away from him. If I want to take that kind of authority, I can't do that by force. She's yeah. 18. She's an adult. The only way I can kind of put my foot down and say, I don't approve of this is if I've got a lot of equity built up. You know, I've, I've been investing in it. I've got some capital there where I can make a withdrawal, right? But if I'm yeah. just coming in with a, a stern, firm hand and saying, you cannot because I'm the one in charge, that's not how authority is supposed to work in the Bible. Just like a, a husband is not supposed to command his wife around. Yeah, the exactly. wife is supposed to honor and subject herself to the husband. The husband's not supposed to command and subject his wife. And so I think the same thing with authority in the home, then it should be transferred over to the church. So the only way a church leader should have authority is by the life that he's lived and by the reputation that he has and by the word of God and by the years of fellowship and connectivity that he's had with the members. Then he can have the right to say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. And I, and I hope then, you know, 
the interesting part is that's all happening in our group. Right. So to one of my really good friends that, uh, Leon Martin, he like, it's like, what is lacking, you know? And, uh, that kind of opened up my eyes. Uh, see, who would you want leading a church? A guy that has a really good relationship with his wife, number one, and then also his children just freely loving. Uh, there's a difference between someone that the children obey him out of fear, but when there's a there's a just a, a happy, free, loving, carefree relationship there with the father. I find it interesting that the Bible says that's one of the qualifications that you have to be able to rule your own home well. Yeah. Isn't that how you would rule? To me, if, okay, let's say, okay, I'm the leader. I'm going to rule this church, right? I'm, I'm supposed to rule, like, because I can rule my house, right? Then I would do the, what, I'm, what we're doing now. I think if somebody comes around that has a false doctrine, I am not shy in pointing it out. If somebody comes along and they're, uh, they're, the conversation comes up about video games and kits, I do not shy away from giving my opinion. But again, it's not me uh, then making a rule. It's just that's where I stand, right? Mm. And if someone comes to me and says, hey, uh, the kits of so-and-so are doing this and this and this, and I'm not I'm not happy with what this guy is doing. That family, if I rule well, I would say, okay, go. Have you talked to him? Have we talked to them about it? You know, mm -hmm. work it out as brothers and sisters in Christ. Just like I would tell my kid if the one comes to me and says, hey, my sister, she hit me for this and that. And I say, well, what happened? Can you go and work it out? Can you go talk about it? Instead mm -hmm. of just being this father that just then, okay, who's going to get the biggest spanking or which one, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it runs very much together as far as the way, uh, of, you know, number one, God calls us his children and he calls himself our father. And he says, we cry Abba father. That doesn't sound like the ruler, the way many church systems rule. Mm -hmm. So to Leon Martin's point is that he thinks we're already doing all the things that the Bible requires or asks for as a church. We just don't have the names on a, on a, uh, we don't have the names. There's no official titles and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. whether that needs to happen, I I'm open to more ideas on that and, yeah. you know, what would be healthy on that. Uh, but one thing that I, a danger that I see and have already seen happen is the moment that you make everything so official, it's not as spirit led anymore. It just mm -hmm. optimism dies. Uh, the anticipation dies. And there's, uh, I know it shouldn't be that way. And uh, like that charity group I was with some diehard, sincere, loving, passionate, awesome people. 
and you know we were so optimistic and everything was so good but it just kind of faded away and i asked why and i think what from what i saw it was it was spirit led god loves when he's in control <laughs> when people just trust him and they don't have it all figured out and all everything you know every pocket filled in the way that we think it should be and ruling like a, you know a, a business but and uh what happened is young people young married people that i think have gifts they just sit back when there's people appointed like how can we so my question is if we do name and put people in certain positions how do we keep the optimism and everyone else everyone else in the whole body every member uh naturally kept in that state of anticipation and mm -hmm. excitement of the ministry and of, of reaching out to the lost and be a, a part of the bright and the body of Christ. How do you keep that going? And the way many do is through lots of exhortation and preaching and like, where's the fire? You know, and we have to yell and carry on and exhort and like, you guys should be excited about being here. And, you know, I just don't think that's it. I think, I think I'm afraid. I think I, I might be wrong, but I think the system has kind of, replace that anticipation and mm. that 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 organic whatever you want to call it that genuineness because we've just kind of fallen back to what you could say the law versus the spirit mm. that's what i'm trying to navigate here like you know yeah, i don't want no, to I, I totally get it because i've been a part of a couple of groups too where there's no doubt about it they were genuinely thrilled and excited and then yes. a lot of the initial excitement dissipates and what is yep. it exactly maybe i think about it sometimes in terms of when i met my wife i remember we were just dating and we were not saved so we didn't do everything just right but i remember the first time my hand brushed hers and we held hands Man, oh man, I had tingles up and down my spine. I was on cloud nine. You know, every moment I just wanted to be around her and near her. And, you know, when we first started hugging and kissing and all that stuff, it was just thrilling. And, yep. uh, you know, I still love being around my wife. I love holding her hand. But when I touch her hand now, I don't get goosebumps. You know, I don't yeah. I don't get all giddy over every time I see her. I just love being around her because we've developed a long lasting deep bond. Right. And so even I was both that was. I would hope that church should be that way to a degree also where, you know, it starts off with infatuation and excitement and joy. And you got that initial first love that's just, you know, passion driven. Nobody has to tell anyone what to do, but then there seems to be a time for exhortation, for a correction, for a rebuke, for, you know, dealing long sufferingly with one another and forbearing one another and forgiving one another, because, you know, as you get to know each other better, you realize that, oh, okay, yeah, we're all excited about Jesus, but we also still have all these flaws. And so it takes a lot of grinding and moving and settling for people to really become a community. It was a somewhat of a secular slash Christian author that I was listening to reading some years ago. And he said that uh, in regards to community, he said, you might only get one, maybe two opportunities in a lifetime to develop real lasting community. And that really struck me. And I thought, because it takes 10, 15 years to really build actual community where people are needing one another and caring for one another. And so I think of church sometimes more in terms of community than a religious setting, than a religious meeting, right? It's 
people building a life together around the word of God. Yes, we meet regularly. Yes, we get together to teach the Bible and sing songs and worship God. But there's more to it than that, right? And it, yeah. it's tough. You know, I've now we've been a part of this group for 15 years. And there's, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get the children as excited about the gospel as we were initially. And how yeah. do you continue to, to develop as the group becomes bigger and bigger do you try to keep it small so that you can keep that intimate excitement or is there a way to structure and organize and uh, have the gifts of administration put to use to where you can continue to keep it hot and excited about ministering and serving at the same time the initial infatuation is kind of gone so love has to be something you do more than just something you're always feeling right yeah yeah that's very true um, I understand all that, and we exhort all the time about continuing the faith, regardless of the feeling, right? Yeah. Uh, regardless of you know, oh, we've been coming here, and it's just kind of like, well, you know, uh, but I, my answer to that, if somebody says that, it's like, well, you want some excitement, go talk to some people that. Are going to challenge you <laughs> uh you know the doors are wide open for you to go and reach out to anybody you want uh god says we're all members of one body and every member he's expecting you to be active even if you're just a toe you still yep. got your job uh get active in that you know if your gift is teaching or if you have a desire to teach whatever is lacking in the church that you think is, is need needed Let's try to meet it, right? Let's try to let's try to fulfill that thing that is lacking. If you see a need, let's let's do something about it, right? Yeah. And go for it. And just grow, grow and not put I don't want to put every congregation in a box because I think God wants to do something here that he wants to do something else a little different somewhere else. So uh if what we're doing here is helping people and people are getting born again and uh, getting saved and praise God doesn't mean that Absolutely. somebody else has to do it the way we're doing it, you know. That's right? right. I heard I heard someone yesterday. I was listening to a sermon with my wife, and he said there in regards to friendship. He was talking about friendship, but he said it's a good example when you come to a congregation. You might visit a church, and you walk away very critical of something. They didn't do yeah. this well, or they didn't they didn't greet me as sufficiently as they should, or their singing was a little lackluster, or their sermons weren't quite well. Maybe you just found your gifting. Instead of yeah. criticizing them, maybe you can offer something there in that regard where yeah. I, I now know because I'm seeing a lack there, then maybe that's where I actually have something to offer, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when you when you look at the leadership in the Bible, like Paul, uh, a lot of a lot of the exhortation wasn't so much the way you dress so much. And there was a lot of exhortation and doctrines. And. I think if we did a good job in that in today's world, we would probably save ourselves a lot of drama. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like too, uh, getting people's focus off of their external issues and set upon Jesus and the glories of all that the gospel entails, it so often lifts them out of 95% plus of their oh, issues. All of a sudden, they're above. You know, I heard this illustration years ago. One brother comes to the next and says, hey, how are you going? And he says, well, 
you know, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. And the other brother responds and says, what in the world are you doing under the circumstances? We don't <laughs> live, you know, we live above those things. We're seated That's with Christ I... in the heavenly places. Where's your attention? Yeah. Where's your, you know, where are your eyes fixed? Yeah. And so That's if you, if you just exalt about. Christ and the gospel, a lot of the issues kind of fall off to the side, right? They just do. But then you do get troubled families, people that come in and, you know, you can't argue. They definitely seem to be trusting Christ but they can't seem to put their life together. They're struggling with this. They're struggling with that. And so I would think kind of like Mike Pearl has often said that if you are a church elder or a pastor or a leader of some sort, your goal should be to work yourself out of that job as quickly as possible, right? So that the people that are coming and following your leading, your teaching after five or six years, maybe don't need you anymore and now are ready to go do something else, right? Yeah. Or branch out or whatever, like, yeah, yeah. That's what I would like to see. I don't, I have so much little desire to be a pastor or a leader. It just makes me cringe because I feel <laughs> like there's so much that comes with that. Like, man, I don't, I don't want to be judged, you know, by yeah. God or like, that's a, quite a scary position. Uh, yeah. Be not many I, masters. Yeah. I think, I think being a leader is scary. Uh, you're going to, you're going to be held accountable like others aren't. And I, I don't like it, but that's why I, like I said, just a little bit ago, if we get our doctrine straight, people will get their eyes off of themselves and they start setting their affections on things above and they start resting in Jesus and honoring him for who he is and believing in the death, burial and resurrection where the old man is passed away. He's not passing away based on their works, but he's passed away based on the the, the work of Christ. Things mm -hmm. gone. So why are we busy? Churches are busy trying to fix an old man. Touch not, taste not, handle not. Yeah, they're, they're, we cause so much work and pain and drama trying to overcome this beast when the answer is crucifixion. And I just have nothing more to offer than that. If that doesn't cure you, if crucifixion, if faith in Christ does not fix you, there's nothing else I can point you to. Uh, definitely. If that, your hand? If, yeah, if that doesn't fix you, you sitting down with me and me crying and holding your hand ain't going to fix you. I guarantee you that. So uh, I will just keep preaching the cross because I don't have anything else to offer. I don't. I don't have a power that I can touch somebody like Peter and Paul did. And they're just different. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I, I have the gospel. I have the, that's right. I have the finished work of Christ and that's what I'm going to promote. Uh, anything other than that is just going to get me in trouble. <laughs> well, this might get you in trouble too, as far as that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the trouble. I don't mind. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, your personal gifting obviously is, uh, is somewhat teaching and, and admonishing, exhorting through the scriptures, teaching the Bible, that kind of thing. Was that something you discovered almost right away? Do you think it's more of a natural person, natural personality trait, or is it something that you kind of came through understanding the gospel, like a spiritual gift almost? I think when I got born again, I got that gift. Because before I was super timid and shy and didn't want any confrontation, uh, I would not want to stir the pot at all. And when I got born again, 
uh, at that moment, I loved the gospel so much and Jesus Christ that I get very quickly offended and uh, speak up very loudly and firmly when someone undermines the work of Christ. And so that that get that right away got me in trouble at church uh, when they talk about the sinful nature or when they talk about you know we got to put that old man to death you know uh, it's just taking away the authority of the cross and it's undermining his work and I would speak up and it would get me in trouble so. And also, obviously, leaving the Amish, I think if I have a gift, it would be to see religion from 10 miles away. I can right. see I can see through I can see through a lot of acting. I can see through the Pentecostal, the charismatic stuff. I can see through the Judaism, the Seventh-day Adventist stuff like that. whole. Interesting. I can see through all that. Like, I don't get swayed by those things. Because I know, I know the work of Christ, and yeah. I know that He died for me, and I was with that death, and He made me a new creature in Him, and now I follow in His reality, and I rejoice. And I'm, you know, if if people would really get the fact that Jesus Christ was made their sin, and you were made His righteousness, your your smile would change <laughs> instead of. Instead of that fake uh, supposed to smile, it would be a natural smile, and yeah. you would you would you would worship, and you would kind of forget all the things that you think is wrong with everything, and you just uh, and if you bring that attitude in 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 with your kids and your family, your your children, that's that's a gospel and that's a salvation that every child loves and wants. Absolutely, and yeah. the parents that are so religious and so law-minded they, they they just lose their children because the moment you do that you become a hypocrite because you just told your kid what to not do that you just did you know it's no longer a relationship and honesty and just being being human beings together learning and loving and worshiping the lord and savior and resting in him and that's mm -hmm. what i want for the church i I want everybody to get rooted and build up in him, not not what we're doing here. Amen. No, that sounds sounds about right. I, I just recently had a conversation. I don't know if you watched it, it was with a guy named John Fair, who was a a severe meth addict. He was on the street for like 10 years, in and out of his home, in and out of jail a couple of times. And he literally just couldn't stop. From the very first time he took a shot of this stuff, he just couldn't stop. His body was so hooked and he would cost his family all kinds of money and stress and anxiety. And finally, about three years ago, he went to uh, way across the country to the West Coast and he stayed at a, at a rehab center there. And there he understood the gospel for the first time. And he had kind of quoted it for years already, but then it finally you know, clicked. And he says now... He can spot an addict from a while away. Yeah. The same way, you, you know, and I said that's the same way with me when it comes to religion, because I took my religion seriously. I prided mm -hmm. myself and I was I was the best guy I knew, quote unquote, in all my pride and arrogancy. You know, never yeah. drank, never smoked, never stole, never did drugs, never slept around. I was, you know, I read my Bible, I gave my money, all that kind of stuff. You did so all I the can things see it. 
task you would want you to do. Yeah, exactly. And yep. now I can see it pretty quick when someone's uh, trusting in the gospel and just reveling in the goodness of God or someone's <laughs> trying to, you know, cross all the T's, dot all the I's and hopes that they might get some peace out of their life. Right. Well, you see, well, you see what we're stuck with then. See, we want that to become so contagious and, I, and it is contagious. That joy and confidence and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ is just, it's just contagious. And it's, it, it is amazing. Uh, I'm going to do a little, just a little thing that I see happening, how I see things. So the whole group can come into church, and I'm sure you've seen this many times. It's one of them mornings. It's one of them days where everybody's just kind of got a long face. They're all kind of quiet, and it's like, almost looks like everybody's pretty discouraged and it's just kind of heavy right and uh what i like to do then is a lot of times i try not to have a message where i don't have some good juicy gospel in it somewhere if there's an exhortation or whatever i'll do that but i want to end on a high note of remembering who we are in christ and and you know where we end with worship like true worship mm -hmm. in the heart and it never fails that at the end of the service, everybody's yakking and a smile and the, you know, the energy is all lifted. And it, it, everybody's on a, like, like what happened to the cloud? What happened to the, you know, the long faces, right? You can see, okay, now this is, this is what I see. The same thing can also go this way. Oh, I see a lot of you are struggling. A lot of you are going through a hard time right now. And you can really play into that sad emotion. And you say, yep. I feel like God is trying to teach you something here. And you can go through this long spiritual drawn out, like, oh, get down in the gutter and, and all the unbelief and the, the sadness and discouragement. And it's like, let's just be broken and, and contrite before God. And God wants to deliver somebody here this morning. And, Maybe there's a curse or somewhere. There's a demon that we need to pray over. And like you can get into the, all this work or you can preach the gospel. And if somebody <laughs> has a has a, a demon or is discouraged, he will be lifted up. And then it's not something that the church did, but it's the power of the cross that did it. Yeah, absolutely. You see that you see what I'm saying here, how. I think so many ministries play right into these emotions. They see that the congregation's down and they see fruit. They, they, they see low-hanging fruit for their agenda to make them look like they got something that they don't and they need this leadership. I don't want to be a leadership that the people feel like they have to, like they need mm. that in order to have peace with God or to grow in Christ. Amen. Like we don't That's want to be that. That's what the head's supposed to be, Jesus Christ. And so many leaderships, they 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 get that low hanging fruit. They see someone someone discouraged. They see someone with a problem, and then they try to fix it. They try to they try to be their deliverer, and they forget Christ in the process. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably 90 percent of sermons out there, right, is just talking to the, the felt needs of the congregation. Yep. That's what right. are the needs right now? Forgiveness, love, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, charity of some sort. And let's just preach on all these things and help mm -hmm. our people 
you know, get a foothold and, and climb up yep. out of the issues. Uh-huh. And all you're doing is back to Colossians 2, touch not, taste yeah. not, handle not. And it uh, looks like wisdom. It has a show of uh, wisdom and will yeah. worship, but not in any honor to the satisfying in the flesh. It looks like really, you know, they're subjective people. They really have a control of themselves, but their affection is not on things above. Their affection is on things on earth. Yeah, the frustration is a lot of these leaders are really good people. Like they're, they want, they don't, they don't want to bring honor to themselves. That's not their desire. I mean, obviously a bunch of them probably do, but the ones I'm talking about, they're actually, I think, fairly pure. I might be reading them wrong, but it's just a trap that we fall into. Good yeah. leadership falls into just because we want to help. We want to deliver people so bad that we kind of go around the cross and try to meet them where they're at when they need to come to the cross. Uh, this one of the old uh, Puritan preachers, I don't know if you'd call him a Puritan, but Charles Spurgeon back in the England, right? You've probably heard yeah. his quotes oh, yeah. many times. He said that the motto of all true servants of God must be, we preach Christ and him crucified. A sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. And then he says, no Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worthy of preaching. I'll say amen to that. <laughs> And but, there's still some good preachers like but, that out there, you know. Do you see the dilemma we have here, though? So this is what we believe. We want we don't want to be the savior. We want to represent the savior, right? Ambassador. So we want this pure, organic, uh, lively fellowship where everybody's just lifted up and encouraged in the faith. How do you keep all that without some structure that we were just talking about in the beginning of this video? <laughs> Yeah. Because then you, you do read all the things. But what if we're already doing that? You know, I'm not shy to call out what I think is heresy. If there's something going on in the church that, in the group that I don't know how to deal with, I got right off the bat four or five people that I can come together and sit around the table at the drop of a hat and we would discuss it. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do we need more than that? That's the question. Do we need more yeah. than that? Those people need recognized. I don't. I, don't I wonder, know. like when I, I taught the book of Titus a while back when I was over at Leon Martin's and um, and I did it in Alberta a year ago now. And um, it, there's something about it to where I feel like and I, and I can't affirm this 100 percent. But Paul seemed like he would go to city after city after city preaching the gospel. And he himself did not ordain elders. He let them kind of stew, you know, he let them simmer in the pot, so to speak. And then he would come back later or he would send Timothy or Titus later, sometimes maybe months or years later, right, where they had had an opportunity to kind of have these things work out. For for me, the concept of, and I, I might be stepping on some toes here too, the concept of hiring a gifted pastor from another congregation or from another city or another town to come in and now be the, the quote unquote head pastor, it feels right. very unbiblical to me. It should be someone who in the congregation has shown themselves to be faithful, someone who the congregation and others can look on and see this guy is faithful. He's mm-hmm. he's a good husband. He's a good father. He's raising his children well. He's got a good reputation. He works hard. And, and obviously, he's not a perfect man, but he meets these criteria. And then we can say, OK, well, let's officially put him into that position. That's the only way I can see it being a, a solid biblical way of doing things. And I know other churches have tried doing this. And I see some of them failing miserably, and others seem to be fairly successful even within the structure and the organization of things. So I feel like you and I are 
offering all kinds of questions and not too, too many solutions. Not here too today. Many solutions. <laughs> uh, I don't, I would kind of, I think we are at like, so what would you say is lacking in our congregation? In yours currently? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I know that um, the more people I talk to and the more experience I've had with a congregation as it gets larger, and I don't know what that means or why that has to be, but it seems like once there's more and more people joining themselves to this group, they don't all have that same fervor. They don't all have the same initial joy and excitement. They weren't there when the church first got established or they, you know, the excitement of Christ might be there, but the excitement for the group isn't there. And then how do you include them? How do you get involved in these things? And do you try to reach into some homes who are struggling more? And what is the, is all that, what is all going on behind the scenes? I don't know, but it seems like That's almost everything they say that once the group becomes larger, there's more and more of a need for administration and organization. And I don't know. Sometimes my solution has been, well, let's just keep it small. But I don't know if that works either. But see, we have a meeting every month where we discuss anything that we think is possibly lacking in the group. So isn't that a solution? Like you, you look at the situation, you discuss it, you come to an agreement and everybody's happy. You know, we go, mm-hmm. we settle, we leave happy. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Let's say, let's say someone comes in who has a bit of an authority complex and wants to kind of take charge. We've seen this happen. Even people that you and I both mutually know where they kind of started a group and then someone else came in kind of wanting the power, so to speak. And, you know, somebody, anybody who comes in with authority, with confidence, they might be accused of. Uh, trying to take authority, trying to take the the reins, so to speak, it starts to become a little tricky. Like, who who are you and why are you now trying to disrupt what we've got going on here, right? And you start feeling protective of, well, this is the way we've been doing it and it's been really working well. How do you now function, right? That can get pretty sticky then. Sure can. Uh, <laughs> uh... So maybe maybe there's the some something the to the ordination process. I don't know. The advantage I got, I own the property and I own the building. So <laughs> if people don't like what I'm doing, they can leave. You're ordained regardless, right? <laughs> uh, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? No, I get it. I get it. It's all good. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, I think we could kind of ramble on and on, but I, I think we've definitely covered a lot of different uh, topics and yeah. Covered some good ground there. I think uh, a lot That's of these thoughts scenario, are very valid. I would just like to speak to that scenario you, you just mentioned. Okay. I have not, maybe I haven't met really people that are just really stubborn, but it is amazing when you're humble how much you can with a little bit of work in the scriptures and do build your a good solid case. If you can't build a good solid humble case with the word of God for your position and why you want to do the things the way you want to do them, then normally it works if you can do that. Like normally you can go to a brother and say, hey, let's look at it. Let's we've done that here. 
oh, well, what about this? All right, let's look at it. Let's study and look at it. And it's very rare that you don't come out. Everybody's like, oh, wow, good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, I would hope that we could be humble enough to, like in your case, where you say, hey, look. And if, and if that's not possible, and then that's when separation just happens. And it probably needs to at that point. Interesting. Yeah, there's no there's no clear uh, uh, prescription on how to have difficulties and how to separate with believers, right? Because it's there should be unity, there should be a willingness to work together, but we do see it happen at least on on a couple occasions. One in particular was Paul and Barnabas when they kind of split ways over an issue that they were having such strong contention over that they couldn't see eye to eye, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that one of them said, "Okay, from now on, you're no longer a solid minister." You know, they just said, "Okay, you go preach there, and I'll go preach here," and We'll we'll get over this issue, and eventually they did. You know, Paul eventually uh, called John Mark a faithful minister, someone who he could rely on. But whereas before he couldn't, and so whether John Mark changed or whether Paul changed, or they both had a bit of a, a you know an eye opening experience through that. It, either way, they allowed that experience to hopefully grow them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not and the then, end of the world. A couple people then, can't yeah see how to... yeah you can you can separate sometimes for what you would consider kind of foolish. I, I think it was kind of foolish the way Paul and Barnabas like. Seems like it in hindsight. I'm kind of surprised they had that issue. But uh, today we split over the dumbest things. Like we have these controversies and these these fights and divisions over stupid stuff where it already proves that we're not setting our affections on things above and we're not exalting the cross. And so let's just stick with the cross and not be so caught up with the material things and stuff. We'll yeah. we'll split over a head covering doctrine. We will. We'll separate over whether your head should be covered with hair or or a, a, a veil or an extra veil or a certain size of veil and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where if you're going to ask me about that, I would say follow Christ. If you are convicted to wear, wear whatever, do it. Like, don't. But you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we don't have to split over everything. <laughs> it's not It's not one of the four issues of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. You know, you stay away from things strangled and from us, things offered to idols and, and from blood and make sure you got the head covering figured out. Like, it's not one of those things. So, yeah, it's not something we ought to be contentious over and squabble and split over. It's that whole thing of, of Galatians 1 where Paul says that if we are an angel preach any other gospel than what he has preached, let him be accursed. When you're when I'm teaching, that verse is often in the back of my mind. What if we really thought about what if every teacher would really think about that before we would speak? That would purify the church in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, if that means I don't care if someone hears a voice from heaven, an angel speaking, some miraculous sign. Paul's, I don't care if you preach anything yep. other than he preached, that's not it. And he was referring to uh Judaism, yep. So. Amen. Well, I appreciate the thoughts and uh, the conversation. This is good, I'm sure we could ramble on for hours, but uh. Yeah. I think we've given enough to the people now. So, yeah, maybe sometime we could 
maybe sometime in 10 years from now, we'll have all these wisdom and we can just come with the answers then, right? For sure. For sure. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, Andrew. We'll sometime in person here soon. What was that? Sorry. I hope we can meet you guys in person sometime here soon. Yes, I would very much like that. Very yeah. good. Maybe right. come to a camp sometime or something. So. Sounds good. All right. Thank All you. All right. Yeah, yep. see you, Andrew.